Welcome to Bike for Life Stories. Stories from a lifetime of cycling all over the world that will amuse, teach, inspire, and make you think. Written by Roy M. Wallach. Narrated by Ed Korb. Today's featured story is Rolling in Agony and Ecstasy. The Santiago Truck Trail is no longer passable by trucks, or any four-wheeled vehicle for that matter. But it's perfect for hikers and bikers looking for more adventure. Like me, I was tired of the same 90-minute mountain bike loop every Saturday. A friend of mine, John Kennedy, a maker of sleight-of-hand devices for professional magicians, had a new trick up his sleeve. We're going to old camp, he said, pitching me on an 18-mile thigh burner not far from our Irvine homes. Thus began the ride that would not end. A journey into the mythical hunting grounds of the Juanino Indians, a Shangri-La deep in the bowels of the Santa Ana Mountains. Snaking up the south-facing edge of the surprisingly stout Santa Anas, which top out at 7,000 feet as they separate Orange and Riverside counties, the Santiago Truck Trail provides striking views of the ocean, the coastal mountains, and the nearby neighborhoods of Portola Hills, the latest urban sprawl lapping at the foothills. We pushed off at 2 p.m. in a brilliant rain-washed sunshine on the eroded double track, hungering for the euphoric mix of respiration inspiration, and isolation that only comes with mountains big enough to lose yourself. Some people pay thousands to ride the Rockies. In the OC, we've got a half a million acres in our own backyard. After rising 500 feet in three and a half miles on the truck trail, I hesitated at the intersection of Vulture Crags Trail. Named for the California condors, who nested in the nearby cliffs until the farmers exterminated them 50 years ago. To mountain bikers, this trail is known by a different name, the Luge. One and a half miles of steep sycamore and oak-studded single track with a distinctly carved rut in the center. It's an ideal, if frequently bloody, exclamation point to an exhilarating 90-minute cycling loop. Turn off here, I yelled back. Keep going, Kennedy grunted. Old camp six miles. A very hard six. After the luge turnoff, the traffic on the Santiago truck trail almost disappears as the trail tightens and often slips into the chilly shadows behind the mountains. Suddenly, it's more like real wilderness Overgrown in spots, so steep that you have to downshift into your easiest hill climbing gears and concentrate on not falling over as you inch upward through 50-yard tunnels of branches. After 30 minutes, I stopped and waited for Kennedy to catch up. When he didn't show, I rolled a mile back down, only to recoil at the sight of a body sprawled out in the middle of the trail. It was Kennedy laying face up, as helpless as a turtle on its back, 
He was squinting in pain, breathing heavily and clutching the pulled quadricep muscle in his right leg. Suddenly, this was no mere three-hour tour. Out of riding shape due to the recent rains, unfed since the night before and not used to climbing nine non-stop miles and 3,078 feet of cumulative elevation gain, Kennedy had literally starved the glycogen fuel out of his muscles. His body was booby-trapped. More climbing and cramps were in store. As he moaned and stretched for 30 minutes, I grabbed an orange from my pack, peeled it for him, and did the math. Hey, we can always do this next week and leave earlier, I said, worried about freezing after the early mid-January sunset. I had three more oranges on me, but no jacket. Old camp's not that far, he said, hobbling to his feet. I'll just walk the steep parts because I'll blow up again if I try and ride it. So we pushed upward at an agonizingly slow pace, but it was worth it. A Renoir painting, an Ansel Adams photo, the Garden of Eden. Old camp, located at the end of a hundred-foot descent, is all of these. A mystical mountain meadow studded with oaks, vines, and ferns astride the gurgling perfection of Santiago Creek in its post-storm glory. We sat on rocks, took off our shoes, and drank it all in like Tom and Huck on the Mississippi. Kennedy had been here before, but never with the stream running. Can you believe we live 10 miles from here as the crow flies? I said. Home seemed a million miles away, and I felt like I was 10. I vowed to return someday soon with my son Joey. 10 next month. And maybe even bring sleeping bags. Turns out you can overnight at Old Camp with a free permit from the Cleveland National Forest. Before long, it was 5 o'clock and a doomed race with the sun began. The nine-mile return trip, mostly downhill, normally wouldn't have been a problem, except that that route had a half a dozen short, tough sections of uphill. Each one elicited a shriek of pain from Kennedy as he tumbled off his bike, clutching another stab of rebellious sinew. Don't get too far ahead, he pleaded. The creatures can sense how weak I am. We sighted and heard deer and other unidentified animals scampering just yards away. I could do nothing as he lay there in agony besides feed him pieces of orange and marvel at the wondrous sights of the city lights twinkling against a sky changing from pink to bright red to purple to black. As his body betrayed him again and again, the clock struck six, 6.30 and 7 p.m. We took to slowly walking all the climbs, cursing ourselves for not carrying a cell phone, jackets, or headlamps, and politely yucking as the last of the passing hikers delivered the standard joke about us being the evening's mountain lion bait. Luckily, we had moonlight which illuminated our limp return. At 7.30, the only humans remaining on Majesca grade, we unlocked the SUV 
called the wives, and headed back. Well, was that enough adventure for you? Kennedy said to me as we drove back to civilization. He smiled, the same smile he gets when he makes a torn $1 bill reappear as a 10.